Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to the, to the Gospel of Luke. To the Gospel of Luke. We're going to focus over the next few Sundays on the Christmas story. And, and I don't have to tell you the Christmas story. You know the Christmas story. Many of you might can even quote the Christmas story. You're going to share that around your Christmas tree. But I think there are things, if we will look at the Christmas story, that there are things we can learn, and I think God established things, that help us not only at Christmas, but help us all year long. I believe there are certain patterns that are there that we can learn from that is a pattern that God uses and works in and through our life. And so I want to share with you some lessons from the Christmas story, from lessons from the Christmas story, and to see and to understand some principles. Now, my thought about the Christmas story is it doesn't really start in Luke chapter 2. It starts in Luke chapter 1. For in Luke chapter 1, it records, first of all, about Zacharias. You remember him? Zacharias, who was a priest, who went in to offer incense, and he encounters an angel who tells him the first part of the Christmas story. And what is the first part of the Christmas story? He comes and tells Zacharias that you and Elizabeth, even though she's old and even though she's beyond the years of having children, you are going to have a son. And his name is going to be John. And he will be known, everybody knows eventually, he is known as John the Baptist. That's right. It's John the Baptist. You're going to have this child. You're going to have this son. And he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. See, Jesus could not be born until first John came, who's going to be the forerunner of Jesus. Because it had already been prophesied that before the Messiah came, there would become one in the, in the spirit of Elijah who would prepare the way and make the way straight for the coming of the Messiah. So John's birth is just as much a part of the Christmas story as the birth of Jesus. Then we find that the Christmas story continues on there in Luke chapter 1 as the angel comes and talks to who? Talks to Mary and tells Mary, Mary, you're a favorite of God. Mary, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And his name is going to be Jesus. And she asks the simple question and says, how can that be? For I have never known a man. I am a virgin. How can that be? And the angel says, because you're going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And your offspring will be a holy offspring, not of the seed of man, but the holy seed. Well, then we find out that the story continues, don't we? Whenever in Luke chapter 2, you find that it's time for the baby to be born. They make their way to Bethlehem because of what? Because it's time to be taxed. They call for a tax and a census, and they go there. And in that time, it's time for the baby to be born. And the baby is born there in Bethlehem. But right outside Bethlehem, there were who? There were shepherds watching their sheep by night. Isn't that right? And they, all of a sudden, get another announcement from another angel that says, this is a glorious day. This is a glorious day because the Savior, the Messiah, has come. And you should go and find him. And you should worship him. 
and they come and they bow down and they worship him. That's the Christmas story. But there's a pattern in that Christmas story that I want you to see and understand that's something very, very important. The first thing is this. Write this down. In this story, God invites people to participate. All right? Write that down. God invites people to participate. But here's a little asterisk on that. God, in his inviting people to participate, gives information more than he makes an inquiry. You know what I mean by that? God God doesn't come and God doesn't say to them, this is what I would like to do. Will you do it? Will you do this? Nowhere in any of these stories will you find God asking any question. The angel who's coming to speak to he does not ask, not one time does he ask, will you do it? For see, God's invitation is not an inquiry about whether we will, but he simply states an information about what he's going to do. That's what he said. He just says, this is what I'm going to do. Let me show you what I mean. Look here in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, I want to begin reading uh, down in verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will drink no wine or liquor, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he'll turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he goes on and talks about he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is sharing information about what he is about to do. Never in there one time does he ask Zacharias, will you do it? He just tells him what's going to be done. Well, that's the same thing true with Mary. Look there in chapter 1. Verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, talking about that angel, hell favored one, the Lord is with you. She is greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutations might be. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. It's all information about what God is going to do. Not one time is she asked, will you do it? Look over in chapter 2. The shepherds, beginning there in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. Find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Do you see any place where he asked them, Will you go? Will you do it? Doesn't ask a question. The invitation of God, the invitation of God is the giving of information about his plan, not an inquiry of whether or not you will participate. Not one place in there that he ever asked, will you 
participate. Isn't that interesting? I think there's some pretty interesting points about that. One point. Here's one point. I I think that God, who is all-knowing, he already knows who's going to say yes. Doesn't he? He he already knows who's going to say yes. And, And therefore, when he's coming and giving this information to Zacharias, whenever he's giving that information to Mary or to the shepherd, he already knows in all of his wisdom, he understands and he knows they are going to say yes. Therefore, he invites them by sharing with them the plan. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm working. This is what I want to accomplish. This in this story is the Christmas story. This is what it's all about. And he already knows every one of them is going to say yes. Every one of them are going to say yes. He wouldn't have asked them if they wouldn't have said yes. I don't believe he would have. Now here's something for you to apply that to. Okay? Isn't it an awesome thing that they were invited to participate in this glorious plan of God? I mean, their names are recorded, their their lives are recorded in history about how they participated in God's glorious plan of salvation. Isn't that wonderful? How? Because they were going to be willing to go, they were going to be willing to say yes. But have you ever wondered that? You ever wonder why God hasn't invited you? Hasn't invited you to do some great work? Some God event? Have have you ever thought about, why don't I have that opportunity? Why why wouldn't I have that opportunity? You ever thought that it might be because God already knows you're going to say no? If he knows we're going to say no, he's not going to ask us because he doesn't ask. He just tells the plan. He doesn't tell, he he doesn't ask. He just tells the plan and we're supposed to abide in the plan. We're supposed to live in the plan. And so what we need to do is say, Lord, I I ask you and I I pray, Lord, that you would help me that in, in my life that I would always have a willing spirit. Because he's not going to come and he's not going to ask you and let you think about it and debate about it and, and have all kind of... He's, not gonna, he's simply going to inform you what he wants to do. And as he informs you, he's informing you because he knows you will. Matter of fact, he created you to do that. Here's four steps that you'll see in that. God knows what he is going to do. He always knows what he's going to do. He selects the people he's going to use. And he created those people for that very purpose. Think about that. He knows what he's going to do. He selects the people for that very purpose. And he already created the people for that purpose. What did God create you for? 
Why, why did God create you? What, what work does he have for you to do? What great work? It's a great work. What is it? You want to know it? Have a willing heart. That's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. Kind of scary to say to Almighty God, God, whatever you want me to do and wherever you want me to go and however it would affect my life, God, whatever it would be, I'm willing. I'm willing. All you have to do is to tell me the plan. All all you have to do is show me the way. All you have to do is reveal to me what it is you want me to do. And I am willing. I'm willing. And whenever your heart is willing, you'll receive that plan. And there is a plan. You say, God can't use me. Yes, God created you to use you. He created you for a purpose. But you have to have a willing heart to hear the plan because when he invites you, he's not, remember, not asking you. He's simply telling you, this is what we're going to be doing. This is what we're going to be, this is what we're going to do with you. It's what we're going to do with you. But in order for you to hear that plan, in order for you to get in on that plan, in order to be a part of that plan, you've got to have a willing heart because the all-knowing God already knows what you're going to say and how you're going to respond to his plan. He already knows that. So one of the things we need to do is make sure we remove every obstacle, every objection, every point of inquiry and to say, God, whatever you created me for, let me in on the plan and I'll participate. I'm, I'm going to participate. I'm going to say yes because see, in those steps that God knows he is what he's going to do, he selects the people he's going to use. He informs them of what he is, is doing and the people he chooses always say yes. They always said, every one of them said yes. In their own way, they said yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We will do it. You got to get to that place in your heart. You got to get that place in your life. Here's another point of the story. Every one of these three were invited by an angel. Remember that? An angel came to see Zacharias. An angel came to see Mary. An angel came and announced to the shepherds. Every one of them had angels. Now, I know what you're thinking. If an angel came to see me and talk to me, I'd say yes. I know what you're thinking. If an angel came, I, I, I wouldn't reject the angel. I, I, I would do what the angel said. Well, let me tell you something. Before you, before you say that, you and I have it better than they did. For see, we don't have to have an angel to come talk to us because we, if we are saved, we are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. That means that Jesus lives in you. God Almighty takes residence in your life. And that means he wants to carry on conversation with you often. And that you ought to be very familiar with his voice and what he says to you. And therefore, he shouldn't have to send an angel to tell you what to do. His spirit will speak to your heart. Now, God can use angels if he chooses to use angels, but that's not the way he primarily does it. He primarily does it 
through his spirit speaking to your heart. And that's better than an angel. For see, an angel is a messenger. That's what the word angel means, a messenger of God. Why, why do you need a messenger from God when you got God himself in you? Speaking his word to you. There's an interesting thing about those angels, though, is they came to give their message to these people. An interesting thing about them is that they weren't surprised that they said yes. Not a one of these angels were surprised. They came and they gave the message they were supposed to give, and they fully expected those human beings to say yes. Now, when I, when I think about that, I I think the angels, first of all, were amazed that God would ask mortals to do anything. One of the most humorous things in my mind is the conversation that angels have with each other as they look at us. Don't you know that they are entertained? Don't you know they are confused? I mean, I, if I were an angel, I'd ask the other angel, why in the world does Almighty God use this bunch of mortals who want to resist and fight and argue and everything else and want to, whenever we're here? Wouldn't you? But the angels are never surprised that the people say yes. Why? Because they think it's amazing that God would ask a mortal to participate and they ought to overwhelmingly, with great joy, say yes. If the God of all the universe has invited a human being to participate in a God plan, everybody ought to say yes. And that's why the angel was not surprised anytime any of these said yes. But I wonder if sometimes... The angels have to scratch their head whenever God wants us to participate and we say no. I don't think they could figure that out. How could any human being tell Almighty God no? For see, they fully expect that any time a human being is invited by God and reveal the plan of God, that human being is going to overwhelmingly say, yes, 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 I will. And that's where we ought to be. I hope you don't make the angels scratch their head because they're trying to figure out how you could possibly say no to what Almighty God wants you to do in life. But God lets them in on a plan. He lets them in on a plan. That, that's his way of, of inviting them. And they say yes. They say yes. And the angels rejoice because they say yes. But what, what is the pattern of response? What is the pattern of response of everybody who is encountering this opportunity to join God? This is really where I want you to focus in on. There is a consistent pattern of what happens, and it's going to happen in their life, it's going to happen in your life, in my life. There's a consistent When God does invite you, and God does let you know the plan, and God does say, this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to use you. When God does that, 
What things happen in our heart? What things happen in our life? Well, I'll, I'll challenge you with that. Go read them. But let me, give you, let me give you. First thing, when each of them gets the invitation by God, here's the first thing that happens. Fear. Fear. It, it does. When Zacharias, it says, when Zacharias was there in verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right of the altar. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Should you be afraid? I will guarantee you when God tells you what his plan is, which is bigger than you and bigger than what you can do, and bigger than you ever imagined that God can do in you and through you, when God lets that plan be known, the first response you're going to have is fear. If you've got a brain, if you've got the ability to rationalize, if you've got the ability to consider what he wants you to do compared to what you have in your pocket, to what you have in your abilities, it will cause you to have fear. And every one of them had it. I'm looking at Zacharias. I'll show you in Mary and the shepherd the next few weeks. But I'm looking at Zacharias. His first thing was fear. He was afraid. So whenever you get afraid, whenever God invites you to do something, and whenever your first response is fear, that's okay. That's okay. Everybody has fear. Everybody gets afraid. But you cannot stay there. You, you cannot stay there. You have to move to the next level. And what is that next level? The next level is faith. All right? Faith. Look at Zechariah here in Luke chapter 1, verse 20. He says, and behold, you shall be silent. Zechariah said, how do I know? I'm an old man. How can this possibly be? And behold, you shall be silent and able to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which you shall be, shall be fulfilled in that time. And the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay. And when he came out, he was unable to speak. He was unable to speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision of the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. He believes now, amen. Didn't he? How, how, how am I going to know this is going to happen? Because I'm going to give you a sign. The sign is you can't talk. You're not going to be able to talk. And immediately he becomes mute. He can't, he can't speak. He can't speak until this baby is born and going to be named and circumcised. He gets his voice back. But at that point in time, he believes. God caresses him and moves him to where he believes. He has to have faith. And for those nine months, he's now trusting God and believing God that, man, I'm telling you, God must going to be accomplishing things. And when Elizabeth gets pregnant, he realizes it. Amen. So you go from fear, your next step is faith. Faith and fear are very close together. They're right on, the, on each side of the fence. <laughs> I mean, faith's on one side, you've got to crawl over, you've got to get away from fear, but they're really, real close together. Because faith has to grow sometimes out of that fear in order to overcome the fear. So the second response is, is, is you've got to have faith. Faith in you, no faith in God. Faith in you, no faith in the plan of God. What is God doing? How is God working? Well, here's the third thing that happens. Fulfillment. Fulfillment. Look what it says happens in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 57. 
Now the time had come for Elizabeth, here it is, to what? To give birth, and she what? She brought forth a son. What is that? That's the fulfillment of the plan. Whenever you hear it and you have fear and you'll believe God, he'll bring the place to where there is fulfillment. God's never going to cause you to start something he can't finish. Amen? God's never going to cause you and call you to something that he, that he can't equip you to get it done. And part of that fear, faith, fulfillment process is of utmost importance. And there's nothing more satisfying in life than whenever God's invited you to do something, God's told you, this is what I want to do. This is the plan. Now, you, you get in there and you do it, and you move from fear by faith, and then you have that fulfillment. It brings about the last thing, and it's called fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. That's found in verse 60 and following. It says, And his mother answered and said, No, indeed. But he shall be called John. And they said to her, there's no one of your relatives who's called by that name. And they made signs to the father as to what he wanted him to him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John and he, and they were all astonished. Go on, 64. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. What happened to Zacharias? He was filled with joy, the fullness of joy, so that he is praising God. He is exalting God. He is glorifying God. That is the ultimate end result of when you join in God's plan. He wants you to experience the fullness of his joy. And the fullness of his joy is whenever the fulfillment of his plan has taken place in you, by you, in your life. You've participated. There's no joy like that joy. It's great to get saved. It's wonderful to be saved. But the greatest joy is whenever you have been invited by God to be a part of what he does, and you watch God use you, a mortal, to do supernatural things, and you realize it's only by the hand of God. And there's a fullness of joy that everyone needs to experience. Every one of these are going to go from fear. Read them. This week, read them. Read Mary's story. From fear to faith to fulfillment to fullness of joy. And that pattern is for you and me. That's what he wants for us. You say, does God still do things? God is working every day. If any of you ever went through experiencing God a few years ago, whenever it came out with Blackaby, had the great, great study material. Go back and read it again. God is at work. He is always at work. But he invites you to join him in his work. Find out where he's working. Find out what he's doing. And join him in that work. And how does he do that? Not by asking, by telling you, this is what I want done. This is what I want done. And you will hear him by his voice. And you will hear him because he knows in your heart you're willing. You're willing to do whatever 
he tells you to do. To go wherever he wants you to go. He knows you are willing. There's truths, there are patterns in the Christmas story. Read, we'll look at Mary next week. Same pattern, same truths, same sense. For us to learn, what's God teaching us? What did God want us to know? How can we be a part of his plan? I believe in these days, these latter days, I personally believe God wants to do as mighty a work as he's ever done in preparation for his coming. And we are the generation and we're the people and we're the church that's supposed to be doing that. And he created you for that. He created me for that. We just need to say yes. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.